The room is beautifully decorated. As you glance around, you see family and friends gather. There's music playing softly while candles flicker around in the background. Everyone is in their place. When asked the question, the father responds, her mother and I and the audience is silent. And then it becomes time for the exchanging of vows. It's time for the bride and groom to make promises before God and everyone that is present. And there's a hush. I groom, take you bride, as my lawfully and spiritually wedded wife. I promise to love, to honor, to comfort, to encourage. I take you from this day forward for better or for worse, in riches and in poverty, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I promise to live with you in an understanding way, to honor you and to forgive you as I have been forgiven. I promise to give myself to you and to serve you as your husband. And then it comes time for the bride. I bride, take you groom as my lawfully and spiritually wedded husband. I promise to love, to honor, to comfort, and to encourage you, to take you from this day forward for better or for worse, in riches and in poverty, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I promise to live with you in an understanding way, to forgive you as I have been forgiven. I promise to give myself to you and to serve you as your wife. And then based on these vows, that you both have taken in the sight of God and all of these witnesses who are gathered here today. Bride and groom, we rejoice with you that the two roads that have brought you here today will now leave on one. Does this sound familiar at all to you? You might have even said these words on your wedding day. This is a covenant agreement. It's marriage language. It's, it's an agreement. It's covenant. And it anticipates those moments in life that are unexpected. It's when two parties come together and they say, hey, I promise to do this. This is my end uh, of, of what I will fulfill in this relationship. And, and the other one says the same. And it's this, this covenant, this agreement. And then there's this, this binding moment, this binding agreement. Here is my responsibility. And here how is here, here is how you can hold me accountable in this relationship and when life happens. We can go back, we can reflect on those vows that we made before uh, a holy God and before uh, friends and family who were gathered that day, uh, remembering that person who was in front of you and remembering what they promised to do. Family, we have been going through scripture and we're in the section of the wilderness and we've been engaging in God's word together. And if this is your first time joining us uh, and this is your first time being in a house church, I want to say welcome. I hope that you're in a house church uh, surrounded by a community of people enjoying uh, just being in community with people and, and being in relationship with people as we go through God's word together. If you're not and if you find yourself alone today, 
I want to encourage you, would you reach out to us at startatmiamivalley.org. We would love to connect you uh, with a community of people and get you involved in a house church. Last week, we looked uh, at the people getting ready as preparing uh, before the Lord, uh, before he speaks at, at Mount Sinai. And Pastor gave us five observations of the commandments which God is about to give. And if you have your Bibles with you today, would you go ahead and look at Exodus 20? We're going to be looking at the first two verses, and then we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 through 6 as well. So here we are at this point where God is speaking to the people, about to give them instructions on how to live as his people, how they are to live in relationship with him and to live in relationship with others. He is saying to them, I want to be your God and you will be my people. And this is how you are to be obedient. Don't miss that today. This is how you are to remain faithful to me. But look at what it says, Exodus 20, verse verse one, God is speaking to the people Sinai, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He is saying before, before anything, before I ask anything of you, I want you to get this straight. This is who I am, and this is what you are getting. For those of you uh, who are married and, and you're listening today, looking back and thinking about uh, wedding agreements and covenant and, and talking about marriage language, uh, I want to ask you this question and be honest. Did you really know what you were getting yourself into? Did you really know that person who was standing across from you on that day? And for some of you, that's a loaded question. Maybe you've been married 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and you're listening to this today. How well did you know that person standing across from you? on that day. And God is saying right here, this is who I am. I am the Lord, your God. And before I ask you to do anything, I want to show you who I am and what I have done for you. This is covenant language. We recently hosted a marriage conference uh, just a couple weeks ago for young couples. And in preparing for that opportunity, I had uh, the opportunity to talk to a couple who had been married for almost uh, 60 years. And I asked them, what helped you to get to that uh, achievement in your life? And before anything, they both said together, being in relationship with Jesus and how he needs to be at the center of the relationship. And as we kept talking, uh, the, the bride said to me about her husband, it was his commitment. It was the promise that he made to always be faithful to me, to never to never leave me. It was part of our covenant together. And I just uh, rejoice in that, just how beautiful that is, that, that covenant language, I promise. And uh, that couple being married 60 years uh, can attribute that to, to that promise that they made. I will never leave you. How beautiful is that, friends? Is it shocking to you? The number one cause of divorce is infidelity. It's lack of commitment that so many couples struggle that, that, that even end their, their marriage uh, because one or both of them do not commit to what they said that they were going to do. And I believe that it is not by coincidence that right up front, God tells the people, I am the Lord, your God. Remember last week, pastor set it up for us uh, that the Lord speaks to his people, telling them uh, these commands in Exodus 20. And we're going to be going through those in the next few weeks. And then uh, we also see how Moses then reminds the people in Deuteronomy uh, 5, just before they're getting ready to go into the land, he reminds them of exactly what God says in Exodus 20. But before we look at this verse specifically in Exodus 20 today, I think it's interesting and even worth noting the positioning 
I want to look at the positioning today of God, of Moses, and of the people. Let me say that again. It is so important. It is crucial for us to see where God is at uh, in this picture that we're given, where he's at, where Moses is at, and where the people are. And so let's look at Exodus 19. Let's, let's go back one chapter. Exodus 19, God tells Moses to go back down the mountain. He says, set limits for all the people. Do not let them set foot on this mountain. Don't even let them uh, touch the edge of it. And he says, then I want you to bring Aaron back up the mountain with you. And so it says, so Moses went down the mountain. Family, the very next word we, we get to see here, uh, that it says, and God spoke. And now we're not uh, 100% sure, uh, 100% clear where Moses is at, but as we continue to read the very next line in Exodus 20, it says, and uh, God said to all the people. Exodus 19, it gives us this, this picture as we look at God speaking uh, to Moses and he's telling Moses, go back down the mountain, uh, set limits for these people, uh, get Aaron and bring him back up. And we get to see what it looked like. It says, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke. The whole mountain was trembling. There was thunder and fire and a loud trumpet blast that just kept getting louder and louder and louder. And I want you to put yourself uh, in the position of these people just for a moment. Think about um, how they are, are seeing all the sights and hearing all the sounds. They have to be terrified. It said this trumpet blast just kept getting louder and louder and louder and they're seeing flashes of lightning and, and hearing the roars of thunder. And I want you to think back to the last time that they heard thunder and that they saw lightning. It was back in Egypt when, when God brought the plague of hail upon Egypt. And these people have to be thinking in their minds, we are going to die. They have to be terrified, but God wants them to know who he is. He wants them to know that he means business, that he is not to be messed with, that he is God. He wants them to understand that they need to fear him, that if, that if he's going to guide them, they need uh, to fear him. And then something happens. The very next thing we read, it says, and God spoke all these words saying, and God spoke all these words saying, family, I believe something we need to take away is this, God always moves first. He tells Moses, go back down the mountain. He tells Moses, uh, get get the people back. Don't, don't even let them step foot on this mountain and get your brother Aaron. And then the very next thing we hear is God speaks. God speaks to the people saying, he is the one who, who moves first. He is the one who is pursuing. He, come toward, he comes towards us, but it always results in the requirement of us taking a step of obedience towards him. When he moves close to us, when he initiates, when he pursues, it always requires a step of obedience from us. Now I wanna zoom in on these uh, verses here, verses one and two, especially look at, look at Exodus verse two. The first part, it says, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord, your God. Think about uh, wedding vows with me. Think about uh, marriage agreement, covenant language. Think about uh, just what he is saying here. It is personal. I am the Lord, your God. He wants these people to know who he is. Uh, we looked at it 
it is direct. He's he's not hiring us out. He speaks. It said he he the Lord spoke. He is speaking directly. He is speaking from himself about himself in good times and bad times. No matter what you're facing, no matter what season you're in, no matter what the obstacle is before you, remember who I am. I am the Lord, your God. God is telling us, I am the God who is involved in your life. I am with you. I know what's going on. I care about you. Turn to me. I am the Lord, your God. Do you see how personal it is? He says, I am here. I am never leaving you. I am committed. This is marriage language. It's covenant language. Jesus, look what Jesus says in Mark 12, verse 29. Jesus replied, the most important commandment, uh, here he is talking about the commandments. The most important commandments is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. He says, listen, O Israel, and it is so uh, like us to just skip past the very first words that Jesus speaks here. He says, listen, O Israel, it is personal. He knows our name, he knows everything about us, and he desires for us to know him. Do you know him? Do you know him? Then we look at the next part of verse two. or Yeah, verse two, Exodus chapter one, verse two. He says, I am the Lord your God. That's what we just looked at. And then he says, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He is saying, I chose you. You are special. He says, I, I, I chose you as my chosen people. I selected you. I handpicked you. Remember back with me to Exodus three when God says, uh, he says, surely uh, I have seen uh, the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them. I see them. I hear them. It's personal. It's relational. It's intimate. He saw them. He heard them. He cared. And he allows the people here in this picture we get to see. He allows the people at the bottom of this mountain to experience him the same. They saw, they heard, they were terrified, but he wants them to know who he is. He says, I am the Lord, your God, the very one who brought you out of Egypt. He is the one who is pursuing. He moves towards them. He comes to them. God wanted his people to know that he alone is God Almighty, that he alone created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. He wanted his people to draw closer to him that they would never forget him or what he has done for them by bringing them out of the land of Egypt and releasing them from the, lo the yoke of their slavery and oppression. God wanted his people to know who he was, to love him, to trust him, to obey him because God had a unique plan and special purpose for them. And as we hear this, as we, as we engage in his word together, uh, we need to reflect. We should reflect. We should learn what God wants to teach us. We should be careful not to repeat Israel's mistakes. We should remember who God is. We should never forget what he has done for us. We should obey his word and be ready to tell others about the hope that we have in him. We should be obedient in how he calls us to live as set apart. We, uh, and I pray that we may learn, uh, that we may learn his commands, that we may keep them and do them. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. This is who I am, and this is what I've done for you. It is personal, it is intimate, it is relational. And then look at the last part of verse two. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
out of the place of your slavery. I am the Lord, your God. This is where I brought you out of. This is what was happening. You were in slavery. You were in bondage. You were oppressed. It is personal. This is where you were and you were here. I saw you. I heard you. I cared about you. And I want you to know who I am. You were here. You were suffering. You were crying out for help. You needed a redeemer. You needed a rescuer. And here I am. I am the Lord, your God. Do you see how personal he is? He says, I have a better life for you if you would only listen to me. As we continue uh, to, to, to get into his commands over the next few weeks, we're going to look at each one of them. And God will spell out exactly how his people are to live uh, as, as, as his people. But just as Paul uh, will show us in Romans 5, look at what it says. God's law was given so that... There you go, Pastor Tim. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Uh-oh, we have a problem. But just as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we, as we read the commands, and we think in terms of wedding covenant, we will see that we can never hold up our end of the agreement. We, we always fall short in our part of the agreement. God says, this is who I am. This is what I've done for you. And as he, as he lists out the way his people are to live, family, we ultimately fall short every single time. The law was to show us that we can never do it on our own. It was to show us that we needed a rescuer. It was to show us that we needed a redeemer. It was to show us that we were desperate for a savior. And from the very beginning, it was God's plan all along to offer his one and only son, Jesus Christ, as a substitute sufferer for our sins. But God, P.S., anytime you come across that in scripture, where it says, but God, you should just get excited. You should just get happy to see what he has done for you. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Remember, God always takes the initiative while we were still sinners. God did this. He moved towards us. God is the one who has always been pursuing us. He is the one who moves first. And every time it requires a step of obedience from us, will we trust him? Will you settle in your heart today that you are in need of a rescuer? Will you settle in your heart today that you are in need of a savior? Will you settle in your heart today that you fall short? Will you ask Lord Jesus to come into your heart today and to be Lord over your life? So what do we do with these commands and how and how God wants us to live? Did God change? Do we just do we just throw the commands out? Uh, was that just Old Testament uh, God's uh, rules and ways? Uh, do we just neglect them altogether? What do we do with these commands that show us how to live as His people? As He says, "I am the Lord your God." This is how you are to live. Do we just do we just get rid of them now that we know what He has done for us, family? The answer is absolutely not. The law that he personally gave his people is an expression of the lawgiver's heart and character. It reveals him to us. It reveals who he is. To neglect the commands is to neglect the very character of God. 
The commandments not only show us what God wants, they show us what God is like. They speak about his honor, his worth, and his majesty. They tell us what matters to God. Family, the commands were not instructions of how to get out of Egypt. They were a way to to show freed people how to live freely. Don't miss that today. He says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is where you were. He says, I heard you. I saw it. I saw you. I cared for you. And friends, he moves. He comes down. He speaks to the people. They get, they get, to, they get to see. They get a glimpse. They get to hear. They are terrified. But he says, come closer. I want to show you who I am. I am the Lord, your God. It's personal. It's intimate. It's relational. He moves towards us. He tells us who he is. And it will always require something of us. Will we trust him? Will we take a step of obedience and say, Lord, we trust you. We we want to obey you. We want to walk out what you are showing us. If we call him Lord our God, he should have full authority over our lives. He should show us. He should be able to tell us this is the way you are to live. If we call him Lord our God and he says this is the way you are to live, friends, we better be obedient in doing that. If he says, this is how we are to live, family, this is how we are to live. You are the Lord, our God, and we want to worship you with our lives. We want to serve you with our lives. Thinking back through wedding vows. I want you to just think back through your wedding vows. If, you've, if you're married and you're listening today, I want you to think back through your vows. I wonder how many of us who are married just said them that day. I wonder how many of us have lost them, have completely forgot about what we what we promised to do that day. I wonder how many of us have just given up on them. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And if you get this, if you get what I'm telling you, who I am and what I've done for you, then I'm going to show you how to live as my people in relationship with me and in relationship with others. Will we listen? Will we obey? Will we trust him as Lord, our God, and what he has done for us? Let's take away what Moses says. He says that you may learn them, that you may keep them, and that you may do them. Not just something that was was spoken to us and that we've just uh, neglected and and stopped listening to. No, if we're going to call him Lord, our God, we better do as he says, that we may learn them, that we may keep them, and that we may do them. But in order to do them, we must first listen. Family, this is why your pastors have been encouraging you for months now to get into God's word, uh, to, to, let, to listen to it, to intake it as quickly as possible, to hear uh, the whole picture of what God has done for us, of who he is. He is never changing. Old Testament God is no different than New Testament God. It is a continuous story. And look at what he has done for us. In fact, the Old Testament is just building up and just showing us exactly what he has done for us. It's, it's, it's foreshadowing. Jesus, the rescuer, the savior, the redeemer of what he had planned for us long ago. Do you see 
And that's why we've been encouraging you to listen, to listen to the whole story as quickly as possible. We've been encouraging you uh, to, to meditate on God's word. We've put out a unified reading plan to, to get intentional each and every day about being in his word and journaling it, to, to write it down when he gives when he gives you a verse, when he gives you uh, a, a scripture, write it down. He is leading you into that. And so write it down and share that with people to get into community, uh, to, to, to serve him with your life. We've been asking God, how would you have us love and, and share Jesus right here where you place us? And that, that should be each one of our prayers each day as we wake up, God, I want to worship you. I want to serve you with my life. And here's how I'm gonna do it. God, I am yours. Whoever you would have me to speak to today, uh, God, I am yours. God, use me. And so we want to be in his word. We want to worship him. And we want to be in community with people, uh, sharing all the good things that he is doing and encouraging each other uh, and inviting those who do not know him into that community to experience uh, just what he has invited us into. And so are you committing yourself into those three areas? Friends, for us to know who he is and what he has done, we must listen. Are you getting intentional about spending time with him? He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Will we learn them? Will we keep them? And will we do them? Let's pray together today. God, you are sovereign. You are mighty. You are powerful. You are awesome. You are beautiful. God, there is none like you. We are humbled to, to even come before you today. God, thank you for always being the one who moves towards us, for always being the one who initiates it. God, it is not by our invitation, it is by your invitation. And you have invited us into a real love personal, intimate relationship with you. And so God, today, as we are reminded, before you lay out how we are to live, you remind us who you are. You say, I am the Lord, your God. This is what I've done for you. I have uh, led you out of the land of Egypt. And you say, this is where we were. We were in slavery. We were in bondage. And God, we see that as we were in bondage, we were in slavery to our sin. We see that you have sent a rescuer, a redeemer, a savior, because we cannot do it on our own. We will always fall short. And so God, I pray right now for the person who has never said yes to you, who has never put their trust in you, who has never obeyed you and said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I pray for that one right now, God, that they would say yes to you. God, for the one who has said yes to you, but has neglected the way you call us to live as your people, God, for whatever reason, I pray that we would turn back to you. I pray that we would be a people who live in a way that is pleasing to you, a way that is in accordance to how you said to live. 
God, may we be obedient as you have moved towards us. May we be obedient to take a step towards you. God, that we would be people who listen. We would be people who desire your word, who desire your voice to get into relationship with you and to get into relationship with others. May we learn the way you want us to live. May we keep them and may we do them. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.